Thank you, Rebecca. Hey, this is my daughter, Rebecca. And, yep. You know, and over the years, I got to hear her singing in the backseat of the car or in her bedroom or at the kitchen table and singing and singing, and I'm glad something really came of it. So uh, thank you for ministering to us and um, uh, through God's word today. Thank you, Rebecca. Well, today is an exciting day because you know what today is? Today is my birthday. Is that awesome? It's all right. Come on. It's my birthday. It is, it is my birthday, and I'm finding that I think now I have much more in common with our golden heirs than with our young adults. It makes me a little nervous. In fact, I had a lady last week what didn't know my birthday was coming, and, she, and uh, we were talking about ages and this and that. And I said, well, my birthday is coming next week. And she said, how old? And I said, 47. And she said, oh, you're so young. You're just a baby. And I thought, wait, wait a minute. I don't think it's that I'm so young. It's that maybe you're a little old. And she laughed, though. She got it, got it, the joke out of it. And uh, in fact, speaking of our golden heirs, it was a few months ago that um, I went to have lunch with them because periodically they have lunch uh, in the fall and in the winter. And we were sitting down talking. I have gout. In fact, this morning I'm having a little bit of a gout attack in my foot, so I'm kind of limping around. But at that time, I sat down and we were talking about gout, and, how, and that's when it hit me. Jeez, I'm getting a little bit old today. Um, but uh, it's an opportunity here to share God's word with you, and I thank you for that. But I was thinking this past week about my favorite birthday present. You ever think about that when you're a kid, when you're seven years old? You think of your, your favorite birthday present. In fact, what I want to do is, you can even shout it out. What was your favorite birthday present when you were seven years old? Just anybody just say it. A bicycle. What else? A baby doll. Tiny Tears doll. What another? Give me another one. Roller skates. Awesome. Well, we're thinking of these wonderful presents. I was thinking about when I was a kid, my favorite thing was an evil Knievel wind-up motorcycle. How many of you remember that? They're my age. There, in fact, there it is right there. The evil Knievel wind-up motorcycle. I love that thing because I could take it, put it on the front and go, boom, and off it take, takes off. I love that thing. It was great. You could play with that in the wintertime out in the snow. You could play in uh, summertime in the dirt. If it's raining, you bring it in and do that on the kitchen table, but you might get in trouble for doing that. But I remember that and how fun it was to have that birthday present. And it's great to celebrate our birth, and it's great to celebrate uh, the birth of our children. I think of Rebecca and, and my, my kids, and I remember every moment that they were born. And I will never forget that, how exciting it is to have new birth. And it's new birth is in many ways in our life, isn't it? I mean, we have a new job, maybe a new friend, a new school, a new church. So there's new births all the time in life. And there's also a time where, you know, there's excitement during that birth in life, but there's also pain that goes along with that too. There's ups and downs, and, um, but then the end things really work out. And uh, even in a church, even here at Old North, we've had new birth in the past two and a half years um, looking for a new senior pastor. And being on the search committee, there was excitement in that. There were ups and downs. There was, it wasn't always perfect. Those that are in the search committee would say the same here today, that it wasn't always perfect as we went through that. And that two-and-a-half-year process, it seemed like it was 20 years, didn't it? But I'm so thankful for all your faithfulness through all of that. And that Old North Church embraces Christ and Christ alone, and that's why we exist here at Old North. So there was excitement in that, and there was some pain as well, 
But I truly believe that we are in a new season here at Old North, a brand new season of excitement. Now, I'm still in coach mode because my son is uh, in Pony League, and if you know me well, we're into baseball. We love baseball. We just finished up the season this past week, so I'm in coach mode right now. And I'm excited about the new season here at Old North as we bring in a brand new senior pastor, Pastor Nick Gasky, next week. And as a staff, we're excited. As elders, we're excited. And I hope as a congregation, you're excited too as we move into this new season here at Old North. But the goal of all of us as we partner in the gospel is to elevate Christ. And you see that even today, or listen to that, and you sang in some of the music today. Our goal is to elevate Christ as a church family in our lives, in our own families, and in our community. We want to elevate Christ. Particularly, I think about our community in the valley. As friends, I, I grew up here. I'm a Rust Belt kid. Many of you are. You grew up here. I love living here. I've never lived anywhere else. But I love living in this valley. I love it. There's times where um, Pastor Chris or Pastor Sean, Pastor Marty and I, and we'll sit down and say, boy, this is amazing. We get to minister to our friends, our neighbors, all of you. And it excites us every morning. You know, I worked for 25 years as a welder, and there were times where I didn't want to get up in the morning and go to work. But there isn't a time where I don't get up in the morning and say, I don't want to go to work. I love to come in and minister all, to all of you. But we do this all together as we minister to our, our community that we love. There's times where I drive down 680 going to St. E's to visit someone in the hospital and look into the valley. I'm like, wow, what an opportunity we have to reach our friends and our neighbors. A couple of weeks ago, I got to do my very first wedding at the Rose Garden in Mill Creek Park. First time I got to do that. And as I'm standing there in the pavilion, as the bride's getting ready to walk down in the hedges there, if you've been down there before, it's beautiful. It's one of the greatest places to have a wedding. And as that bride's walking down, and I'm kind of glancing up on the little hill, up where there's, I think there's a flagpole, and there's a little bit of a hill way up on the side. And I remember as a kid, my brother and I going up there and rolling down that hill going up and rolling down that hill. And as this bride's walking down, walking down the aisle, and I could just have a little smile on my face, the excitement. But we all partner together. As you can tell, I, I like to look at things in the past and, um, and get all teary-eyed. But we partner together uh, as a church family. And we're doing that starting from today and on. And, uh, but today I want to talk a little bit about an interesting part of Scripture we're going to dive into, and it's John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, please open up to John chapter 3, and in your pew Bible, it's 887, 887 in your pew Bible. And this is my birthday, so we get to do whatever I want to do today. So we're going to open this up, and if you do not have a Bible, take it with you, take one with you, and I want everyone to be looking at God's Word. If you don't have one with you, share with each other as we dive into God's Word today. In fact, we're going to be creeping in on a conversation between a man named Nicodemus and Jesus. And we're going to dissect this passage of Scripture. I'm not a biologist, but we're going to dissect things today and look at God's Word and what it has to say to us. So that's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, 887 in your pew Bible. Now, I'm going to read it from here because I'm old and I can't see anything anymore. And the lights are dim, so I have it printed off in bold print. And I'm going to read this whole passage of Scripture, and then we're going to dive into it. So now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, 
Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. God's word is so impactful, isn't it? As pastors, we can get up here and preach all we want to, but it's God's word that impacts us. So we're going to dive into this a little bit here. So let's talk about Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? So the question is, so Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader of the day in Israel, maybe similar to a pastor or elder here at Old North. So he was a leader and a teacher, and he came to Jesus by night. So here's another question. Why did he come to Jesus by night? Now, some scholars say it doesn't make a difference. He just kind of came at night. But most scholars, and I agree with them, that Nicodemus had some friends, and they were interested in Jesus. They were thinking something is very special and unique about this man, and I need to go talk to him. Now, I don't know if Nicodemus got the short straw or what have you, but he came by night because the majority of the Pharisees wanted to execute Jesus. They wanted to execute him. He was taking authority from them, but there were some that were saying, wait a minute, there is something unique about Jesus. So Nicodemus comes to him by night, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is admitting here right in front of Jesus that He's a teacher just like Nicodemus is. He says, we're on equal plane. Now, if the other Pharisees heard that, maybe they'd want to whack Nicodemus. <laughs> they would want to knock him over. But Jesus is looking him right in the eyes, and Nicodemus is realizing there's something very unique about Jesus. And he says, okay, you're a teacher. And he says, you cannot do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Now, Nicodemus is looking at this scripture, and he's saying, or he's looking at us here, and we're looking at the scripture, and he's saying, Jesus is unique. Jesus has come from God. He has come from God. He isn't just a special teacher in Israel. He has come from God. So he's got a lot of questions, just like you and I would have some questions for him. In fact, 
I'm thinking of, uh, you know, we all have phones. I've got my phone. It's buzzing all the time. And um, if Nicodemus were here today and he, Jesus, they were in a back room, they're talking. You think that Nicodemus would pull out his phone and he would start tweeting. He would tweet something and he put it on Facebook. And he would kind of put it this way, maybe. It says, how can a man be born when he is old? LOL. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? LOL. Hashtag Jesus is crazy. Hashtag, maybe I'm crazy. As Nicodemus is truly wondering, who is Jesus? Who is this man? Well, on in the scripture here, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, let's stop for a second there. We're seeing through this passage of scripture that Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I say. Now, Jesus isn't saying, saying, truly, truly, in the name of my father, or truly, truly, in the name of Rome, or truly, truly in the name of Israel, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, there's sovereignty, there's authority. In fact, in my notes, I highlighted, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is looking at Nicodemus, and he's saying, I have the authority. But he says, again here, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we think of water Water brings life, doesn't it? We have scientists that are scouring the universe right now looking for a planet that has water because usually when there's water, there's life. And he's talking about their born of the water. It's this flesh, the flesh that we have, that we exist. And to be born of the Spirit, with a capital S, born of the Spirit. Because, and again, man is looking for philosophy, philosophy of religion and self-help to fix our spirit, but... There's a realization that we have is that we have a corrupt spirit, a corrupt body that is corrupted by sin. Nicodemus knows this. He's asking these questions. He's trying to get Jesus in a position of, um, to where maybe he can't answer the questions. But again, he says, born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is is spirit, and that one spirit is with a capital S that's born of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we cannot enter the kingdom of God on our own, can we? Make sense? We can't enter on our own. There's nothing we can do to put ourselves in a position to get to heaven. There's nothing we can do to put ourselves in a position to be saved. It has to be done by the Spirit. It's done by God himself. So we're looking again you know, Nicodemus didn't really realize it when he's thinking about entering the kingdom of God is the fact that he's looking at Jesus. So it isn't about a thing or a place. It's about a who. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. As Nicodemus is, again, maybe like those today, maybe some of you are, are searching for philosophies of religion. You're searching for answers when truly the answer is Jesus. What's wonderful about Old North Church over the years, and we've had, you know, folks come and go in leadership, but one thing has stayed the same, it's been Jesus. That has never changed. And I look at you and I see the smiles on your faces because you know that. Some of you have been here a long time, longer than I've been here, and it's about Christ. So Nicodemus, again, uh, you know, Jesus said, truly, truly, unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then verse 7 he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
Could you imagine the look on Nicodemus' face? He's just mouth wide open, shocked. I mean, if I would have got a picture up on the screen if I could of some Pharisee with his mouth wide open. I couldn't find one. But, but here's Nicodemus in a state of shock. And Jesus looks at him, because just in that passage there, you can tell what, was, what Jesus was looking at. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And he says in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And he's saying again with Nicodemus, with any of us, but Nicodemus, look, the wind blows from the west to the east, or sometimes the north to the south, and you don't even think about it. You don't question it. It just happens. Many of us, we don't think about our heart beating, right? It happens or taking a breath or, or maybe you drive from point A to point B and you really don't think about it. Now, I can tell out there driving around, some people really don't think about it when they're driving from point A to point B. Sometimes I get caught in that. I'm driving from Salem to Canfield and before you know it, I'm here. Don't really think about it that much, do we? You know, and it's the same thing with those of us that have received Christ. It happens by God's hand. Just as today, as we're reading his scripture, he's going to do something in your life today. As he's opening up your heart to what God's word is saying, it's God's hand, it's his sovereignty, it's Christ. His sovereignty that reigns. And Nicodemus is starting to see this. So he says, how can these things be? How can these things be? Nicodemus is turning now, flipping over to a bunch of theological questions to seeing Jesus, the God of the universe, face to face. The God of the universe, face to face. He says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? I, I love that. Sometimes Jesus can be kind of, I don't know if he's being sarcastic here or not, but there's times where Jesus is kind of like, wait a minute now, you're a teacher and you don't understand this? You don't get it? You don't get these things? What, what's going on, Nicodemus? But again, Jesus, with the truly, truly I, stating his authority, truly, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know, we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Jesus put a we in there, and I think he's talking about his church as well. He's talking about his disciples I mean, we could even put in there, truly, truly, I say to you, my followers speak of what they know and bear witness to what they have seen, but you do not receive their testimony. The testimony of what they've seen, now Nicodemus is admitting that Jesus has performed these incredible miracles. He is teaching in ways they have never heard before. And some of these Pharisees could go on and on and on, and I could sit here for an hour and talk to you, which I'm not going to do. I want to burden you with that, but... Jesus would speak in ways they couldn't even fathom, performing these miracles, and he had these followers. And that's another reason why they had to meet at night, because Jesus was bombarded with people, bombarded with people, and not just because they wanted healed or, or wanted their bellies filled, but they were saying something was very special about this man who is really claiming to be God. And in this passage, with truly, truly, I say to you, we're seeing it very clearly who Jesus is saying he is. He could say, I'm just a special teacher here, follow me. And, but he's saying, truly, truly, I say to you. So in verse 12, he's talking again to Nicodemus. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
There's times in the New Testament where the disciples will be asking Jesus about heaven or they'll ask him, who's going to be on your right-hand side or what's going to happen here? And Jesus is speaking plainly about earthly things. And he says, look, it would blow your mind if I told you about heavenly things. It would blow your mind. And he's speaking of heavenly things here to Nicodemus, and he's still trying to put the pieces together. He's trying to put the pieces together. So if I've told you earthly things you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 13. I love, I love God's word. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is revealing who he is. That he is a son of man and that he came from heaven. If anyone were to say to you, Jesus never claimed to be God, they don't, the scriptures have not been revealed to them because he's clearly saying it here. He's clearly saying that he came from heaven. No one has ascended into heaven and came back except for Jesus. Only Jesus. And friends, as we think today, as we're going to be in a few minutes, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper. Um, we think about the fact that, you know, we have two things in common in this room right here, every single one of us. Number one, so we are pond scum sinners. We are. And I don't want to depress you today. <laughs> it's my birthday. We can do whatever I want. But we are pond scum sinners. Everyone in this room. That, I mean, in a bad way, that unites us. And then the second thing is we deserve execution. See that cross? We deserve execution. We truly do. We cannot work our way to heaven. It's only because of the one who went before us, Jesus Christ, that we can see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is staring at the kingdom of God. He's staring at Jesus. So we can have eternal life only through Christ and Christ alone. I was going to bring in a thing upon scum <laughs> to show you. I didn't want to gross you out today. But when you think of pond scum, you think of, um, like, speaking of Mill Creek Park, there's some difficulties down there with uh, the, the lakes that are down there, and even Lake Erie where there's algae blooms and all kinds of yucky stuff. You can't go swimming in the water. And um, Even along the Atlantic coast, there's some spots where people can't go swimming. We think of the water that is so disgusting and it's terrible, and you wouldn't want to go swimming in it, let alone drink any of it, of course. But we think about pure water. Now, with, with my son playing baseball, we drink a lot of water. I drink so much water with the heat and everything. You just drink it, and it's so purifying, so refreshing when you have that drink of water. And Nicodemus, who is pond scum sinner just like us, is seeing where there's fresh water. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Make sense? I say makes sense because our head coach always says that when he's talking to the kids. <laughs> we're talking about Basil. He says, that makes sense. It makes sense, doesn't it? Even though we're trying to figure this all out. And again, as we're going to be taking communion in a little bit, here at Old North, we do this once a month. You know why we do this once a month? Years ago, we used to do it every single week. And it kind of got to be where it was repetitive. You know, it's like, all right, it's communion time again. I haven't had lunch yet and my stomach's rumbling. So it's time for, and we wanted to get away from that. We got to where we were taking the Lord's Supper once a month because it is very serious. It is very serious. Nothing's magical about any of this down here, but it's a reminder for us. It's a reminder 
that cross. Here's Jesus sitting down with Nicodemus, just having a conversation like he would have with you or I. I think of Jesus sitting with the woman at the well, having a conversation. Jesus could do the same thing with us, and he's saying, my blood is sufficient. I've done a lot of funerals lately. <laughs> a lot of, in fact, I have a little bit of a break right now, but I did uh, 12 funerals in about a two and a half month period. I did uh, three funerals in 48 hours one time, my friends, and you're going 100 miles an hour when you do that to set those types of things up. And there's so many times where um, it's a believer that passes away. Most of the ones I've done, other than probably one of those, um, were believers. And as I'm speaking to the friends and family that are crying, and I can say, look, we've got tears in our eyes, but we can also have a smile on our face because we know that those of us that have received Christ will see that person again someday. And with Jesus, as we even take the bread and the juice, we can have a tear in our eye because we know what our Savior did for us, but we can have a smile on our face because we can see him again. A smile on our face because he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And Nicodemus, and later on in Scripture, we're realizing Nicodemus got saved. Nicodemus understood it. And I'll tell you what, if I was face-to-face -face with Jesus at that time, boy, I'd want to embrace him. I'd want to embrace him too. So this testimony reigns out. In verse 13, I'm going to repeat this again, 13 through 15. Again, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Again, those of us that have received Christ, we have eternal life. A few years back, I was helping with Awana here at Old North, and trying to describe to second graders eternity is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy for myself, not easy for any of us. And we ended up taking a tape measure that was about 50 feet long, and I had one kid hold it, and we pulled it all the way out, and we looked at in there, and we looked at about of a sixteenth of an inch, and we kind of talked about, that's about the span of your life compared to this entire tape measure. And of course, with eternity, there's no end. And it's hard for us to even fathom that. If Jesus were talking about eternity, we'd be tweeting all kinds of things out. Jesus is crazy. Maybe I'm nuts. I don't know what's going on here. But whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And it's more than just living forever. It's living with the who. It's living with Jesus. When we just had our get-to-know class the past four weeks, I haven't seen a lot of you lately because I've been in class, and we talked about, about heaven. And those of us that received Christ, we think about the fact that we get to heaven. I know for me, and I'll be honest with you, transparent, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see the streets of gold. Not because I love gold, but because my face and our faces will be plastered to the ground. Because we know we don't deserve to be there, but yet Jesus, I can just picture Jesus lifting up our chin with the tears in our eyes, wiping those tears away with his thumb, and we can see the piercing hand, and we can have a tear in our eye, but a smile on our face because of Christ and what he did for us. Now, in a minute here, we are gonna, we're going to receive communion. We're kind of zipping through this today. I don't have any sermon notes for you because we're just reading God's word. 
And my encouragement for you this coming week is to read this passage again. In fact, there's another verse, and we're not going to read it today. There's another verse right after 15th, and it's something called John 3.16. Maybe you've heard of that one before. I see your heads going up and down. Maybe you heard of it. You might want to read that one this week. It's kind of an important one as well. But we're going to receive God's, uh, the, the Lord's Supper, and we're going to do it seriously and with reverence. In fact, we're going to have elders and pastors. They're going to be down here to, to serve you. And we're going to, I'm going to be asking you to come down front, coming down front in unity at Old North. As we move into a brand new season here at Old North, we're going to do this with unity as we come together. And if you're out there and you, you can't physically get out of the pew, please raise your hand and a server will bring the communion to you. They'll bring you the bread and juice to you. What an opportunity we have here in our community, an opportunity we have to take the Lord's Supper with reverence and think about what he did upon that cross. And if you have not received Christ today, please do it. I mean, God's word is powerful and effective. It is anything I'm saying today or anyone else or even when Pastor Nick is speaking, it's about God's word that impacts us and it always has here at Old North. In fact, what I'm gonna like to do right now, I'd like to pray it's a quick sermon. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to read some scripture from Corinthians before I ask you to come forward. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we have read your word today and we've read about Nicodemus, Father, we know we are just like Nicodemus. A lot of questions, seeking answers, but we know that answer is you. That is our Lord and our Savior, the Master who redeemed us, Father. We know that we deserve nothing from you but hell. And those of us in this room that have received Christ as Savior, Lord, we have tears in our eyes because of what you've done, but that smile is on our face because we have been redeemed only by you and not by our own hand. And Lord, I lift up this congregation as we move forward into an exciting time in the history of Old North. We just ask that you continue to bless us as we move forward in lifting you up to our congregation. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Again, in Corinthians, I'm going to read this, and then I will ask you to come down to receive the Lord's Supper. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Come down and receive the Lord's Supper.